0: The world's going to tell you to follow a lot of things in this life, and I wonder what God's Word tells us to follow. And so we're starting a new series called Follow the Servant, and my prayer is, is that we would follow who God calls us to follow in His Word, which is His Son, Jesus Christ. We want to welcome each and every one of you here this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. What a joy it is to, to pack this place out. Some of you might have to start going to first service, just so you know. All right. Either that, we're going to start a third service. Something we're going to have to pray through that. But to welcome those online, thank you for joining us online as well. And we are going to be in the book of Mark as we go through this idea of follow the servant. And as I was thinking through kind of where we were going to head, what direction that we wanted to head in when it comes to the preaching aspect of things here at PV, uh, one thing that just kept coming up all throughout the course this last year was this idea of discipling, disciple making. It's something that's familiar to many of you here at PV, and it's one of those things where... Went to family camp and uh, Ryan Charest spoke there and he talked about discipleship and disciple making and being a disciple. He's going through the book of Mark in Sheridan. Uh, We went to uh, we had our revival last fall, and Matt Branham was going through the Book of Mark, and he shared messages uh, at our revival for from the Book of Mark. We were going to the NPA Leadership Conference, and it's all about disciple-making and discipleship and the discipleship gospel. And as uh, I was talking with uh, one of my good friends, Raleigh Hutton, he gave me a book called Disciple-Making Culture by Brandon Gindon. And so I just felt the Holy Spirit at work in all these different areas like, hey, maybe you should head in this area of what it looks like through the book of Mark when it comes to disciple making and being a disciple. And we at, here at PV, our, our hope and our desire and our mission is to seek and to reconcile and to restore and to equip disciples so that we can then go out and, and make more disciples. And so I want our church to know, you know, what discipleship is all about. I want us as a church to grow and what it means to make disciples. And there's there's no better person to look to than the person of Jesus for this direction, amen? Jesus is the one, and he did a a pretty darn good job at making disciples, didn't he? In fact, all of you are here today because of what Jesus did thousands of years ago. And so we're going to spend the next year, you heard me right, the next year going through the book of Mark. There's 16 chapters. We're going to divide it up. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us as we look through the book of Mark. And it was kind of like, if we spend a whole year in one book, well, we're going to because that's what the Holy Spirit was nudging on my heart to do. And I pray that we would really dive into what God wants to share with us. And so your homework assignment, yeah, homework at church, uh, is to go home and to spend time reading through the book of Mark. Sixteen chapters, if you were to do it in one setting, be about an hour and a half for the average reader. And if you're thinking this morning, well, i got too many TV shows to get caught up on, you might want to pray through that right away, all right? okay. That may be not where you need to be. Uh, and so my hope is that the TV shows get put to the side, and you spend some time reading through the book of Mark this week. And again, if you spent like 15 minutes a day uh, reading through, you'll get through all 16 chapters by next Sunday. And so as we begin to look through Mark, I pray that we're open to the Holy Spirit's direction when it comes to what he wants to teach us through the life of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, what a privilege it is to come together. God, we want it this time to be all about you. It's a short time, Father. Uh, it only happens once uh, on a Sunday morning as we come together, as your word directs us to, as we gain encouragement from one another and from your word. And yet there's a lot of time throughout the rest of the week that we need to spend hearing from you, going to your word, listening to your Holy Spirit's direction in our lives, spending time, continual prayer, that our life would be a reflection of who you are in us. And so may we love people and may we love you first and foremost. And may we show the world... The joy it is to be a part of the family of God, and so may you teach us this morning. May you guide and direct our thoughts and our actions. That we'd hear from you, and it's in the name of Jesus. I pray, Amen. You see, Mark is the according. You know, Mark the, is the shortest gospel uh, when it comes to the, the inspired biographies of Jesus, and is probably one of the first ones written. And Mark was a disciple, but he wasn't one of the the inner twelve. Okay, and he most likely got a lot of his information from the Apostle Peter. And Mark wrote a gospel that is very simple, very straightforward. It says, here is what you need to know about Jesus and all you need to know about what his ministry is all about and how that can affect your life. And so I see two major themes, and there's lots of things that you can see through the book of Mark, but two major ones that really pop out to me as you go through Mark. And the first is that Jesus is incredible, okay? If you don't know that yet, you uh, you got to get into the Word of God, because Jesus is incredible. And then the second thing is that there's nothing better than, than making disciples. There, there, there's so much importance put on discipleship when it comes to, to the book of Mark. And as a church, I think that, that there's nothing better that we could go through and really study through and really begin to, to tweak and improve on as we go through the book of Mark over this next year. The two things that I really want us to get is that Jesus is incredible and discipleship is important. And so as we we look through the the book of Mark, we see Mark, he's kind of on the fringes. He's kind of one of those guys that's just, he's a disciple, but he's kind of on on the fringes a little bit. We see a guy that when things got tough a lot of times, he would get moving, but he would get moving in the wrong direction. Okay, In Mark uh, chapter 14 verse 51, it's believed that the, the young kid is Mark. He's speaking about himself in in Mark chapter 14 verse 51 that on the night of Jesus' rest he was grabbed by the soldiers and he got away by leaving his outer garment behind. He he ran away. And in Acts 13 verse 5 it's noted that he went with Paul and Barnabas on on their first missionary tour as their helper. And guess what? The, The mission trip got tough. It wasn't easy. And what took place was that Mark decided to say, hey, I'm done, I'm out, okay? And so the next trip that they decided to go on, Paul wasn't too interested in having Mark go along. He he didn't want Mark to go because Mark had deserted them. Yet, as you look at the ministry of Paul, especially towards the end, later on in Paul's life, we see Mark as a consistent part of the ministry of Paul, and you can see that in 2 Timothy 4.11. And I don't know if you can identify with Mark this morning, but Mark's kind of that guy that when things got tough, you know, he, he got going, but not always in the right direction. And I know for me, there's times in my life where, you know, I, I'm not doing exactly what God is calling me to do. I may be heading in the wrong direction at times, and, and we see Mark as a guy that wasn't picture perfect, and yet God used Mark in the kingdom And guess what? It doesn't matter if you keep running in the wrong direction. God is a God of of many chances. He he wants you to come to him, and, and he still wants to utilize your skills and abilities as we've been talking about finding your fit. And God still can use you to advance his kingdom. And especially if you're ready to get on board with the reality that Jesus is incredible and that discipleship is important. As we study the life of Jesus. And so as we look at this first passage from Mark, I want to let you know, spoiler alert, okay, first eight verses here from Mark chapter one. Jesus isn't in these verses yet, okay? Spoiler alert, you even think well, what, I thought it was the gospel of Jesus according, yeah, okay, we're going to get there. But uh, it's interesting who shows up on the scene right at the beginning of Mark. And it's this idea of having our hearts prepared for Jesus to show up. I look around this room and I see a lot of people that took the time to prepare to be in services this morning, okay? I saw, I can't quite smell the teeth brush, but I'm hoping there was teeth brush this morning and some and some hair that was combed and you prepared physically to be here, and my hope and my prayer is that you prepared spiritually to be here as well. That your heart is ready, that your hearts are ready this morning to meet with Jesus. And so these first eight verses are all about this idea and it's the title of the message this morning make room for jesus make room for jesus and john the baptist is saying right at the beginning of these verses that you need to make room that you need to prepare the way that you need to clear the path and get stuff out of the way so that you can encounter jesus and my prayer this morning is that you can see jesus face to face And if there's things in your life that you need to to remove, then I would encourage you to pray through that. If you're going to clear a path in order to encounter Jesus in a new way, then John the Baptist is saying the very first thing, he says, be ready. And so I want to look here again at Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. And if you'll, re, if you'll stand with me this morning as we go to God's Word, if you have your paper Bibles, grab those. If you have your digital Bibles, grab those. You can follow along on the screens. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. It says, The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preparing a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. We got to be ready, don't we? I mean, all throughout life, there's situations where we have to be ready. And when it comes to spending time learning how to be a disciple, learning how to make disciples, you have to be ready. And we see that in these first three verses. And it's this idea of being ready for the gospel being ready with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And many of you know what that means. It's all throughout the New Testament is the concept of Jesus being the Son of God, coming to this earth, dying on the cross, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins, raising three days later that we might have eternal life, a way back to the Father. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And as you look at this very first verse, it says, The beginning of the gospel or the good news about Jesus Christ. The Son of God. And there's so much, if you were here at the revival, Matt talked about, there's so much here in this very first sentence. And I'm going to quickly just touch on a few things. And if you see Jesus Christ, a lot of people growing up maybe thought that the word Christ was Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. Not not necessarily true, okay? That's a little revelation for you this morning. Uh, But Christ is not Jesus' last name. It, It really is this title that's given to Jesus, meaning anointed and a lot of times when it came to anointing, it had to do with kings. And instead of crowning a king, they would anoint them with oil. They, they pour oil on their heads. And you would see that even when it comes to priests at times uh, were anointed. And, and prophets at times were occasionally anointed. And again, this idea of this king, Jesus being our king. He is the Messiah, the one that all creation has been waiting for. On pins and needles, looking forward to, and as we look at verse 1, part of the the good news is that Jesus is the Messiah that we've been waiting for and the God that we've been longing for. He's both things. It's awesome here in this very first sentence about Jesus Christ, meaning our King, the Messiah, our King, the Son of God. He is God And he's our Savior, he's our King, he's the Messiah who's going to save us. And so Mark begins by saying that no matter how messed our world gets, how messed up it gets, uh, the the junk that we see on TV and the news and, and all the things that get us down, guess what, we can go to the Word of God and find good news, amen? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news just gives me goosebumps thinking about how important that news is to the world that we come in contact with. There's nothing, there's nothing better than the good news of Jesus. And if you're struggling with sharing that with people, if you're, if you're frustrated with the, the fact that you're, man, I don't know how to go about sharing that good news, and I, I just think it comes down to like, hey, guess what? Jesus is making all the difference in my life right now. I don't know if you know Jesus or not, but Jesus is helping me make it through the difficult times of of our world that we live in. It's just like simple things like, hey, what did you do this last weekend? Uh, Well, I went and drove to Scott's Bluff, went to some receptions. Or, hey, it was so-and-so's birthday, and they got this for their birthday, and we like to share good news. And so why aren't we willing to share the good news that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God that was willing to come on our behalf to take our place, to cover, to wipe away our sin in order that we might be able to come back to the Father. And so Mark goes on to say that this good news of Jesus, it isn't a brand new thing. This isn't brand new. It's something that's been around for many, many years. In fact, God promised it hundreds of years before Jesus even showed up on the scene. And we see John the Baptist is the fulfillment of the prophecy of someone that's going to come, the messenger that's going to come ahead. And it's really neat when it comes to God and his promises, how he fulfills those promises. A lot of times we promise each other things, or, oh yeah, we're going to be there, we'll plan to, no, oh sorry, something came up, and we we break promises, and things happen in our lives where we get upset that someone didn't follow through with what they said they are going to do, and it hurts our feelings, but guess what, not God, God always comes through on his promises, and so God promises that there's going to be Someone that's going to be a forerunner. Someone that comes ahead of the Messiah to prepare the way for Jesus. And guess what? It happens. It happens. That's exactly what God does. And if you again look at verses 2 and 3, it says, It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So I almost go like, well, why why did God need help? Is that that what's taking place here? Why is he sending someone else ahead of God? No, No, God doesn't need our help. God doesn't need help clearing the path. But what happens is that sometimes we get so distracted that there are many things going on in our lives that those things are blocking us from getting to Jesus. And so God had a plan to have John come. And prepare the way that, that they would get ready for Jesus. That we too even today need to be ready. And so what he's saying is that John the Baptist came to prepare the way. And the way that he's going to do that is by helping people remove the obstacles that were in the way of them coming face to face with Jesus. And if you think about our own lives and what John the Baptist was doing, he, he again was removing obstacles Just as we today need to remove those obstacles in our lives as well. His message was get right with God and get right now. Don't wait for another day. Don't wait until the perfect time. Right now you need to address some things in your life. Because when Jesus comes, he's going to need some room in your life. You're going to need to move some things out so that Jesus can come in. It's kind of like my kids, and I'm sure some of you parents have experienced this, where your your kids' rooms get kind of cluttery, and and there's not much uh, for carpet anymore on the floor. It's mostly just clothes. It's a new kind of carpet. It's called clothing. And there's clothes, and there's toys, and there's all sorts of things. And it's like half hour before bedtime, and I look in there, and I'm like, all right, you guys need to clear a path for me to get to your bed, just in case in the middle of the night something happens. I need to get to your bed. I don't want to trip over everything, so... You're not going to have time to clear the whole room, but clear a path. Make a way so I can come into your room. And that's what John is, is doing here. He, he's helping people get ready for Jesus, clearing a path, removing the obstacles. And some of you need to start removing the distractions in your life. If you're really going to be someone that is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, that's going to go and make other disciples, you're going to have to rearrange some stuff. You're gonna have to get some stuff out that it's distracting you, some things that are taking up your time, some things that are causing you to veer off in the wrong directions. And I'm gonna tell you right here, right now, that some of us are going to waste the next year of our lives because we have so many distractions in our lives that the path isn't clear for Jesus. We're gonna miss out because we we still so we're holding so tight to all these different things that we think are so important. And we're not allowing for them to be removed, to to be put aside, to clear the way for Jesus to really to speak boldly and directly into our lives. And so we need to be ready. We need to be ready for Jesus to show up in a big way as we look through the book of Mark and we're challenged in different areas. And I wonder if we're willing. See, it's one thing to be ready, but it's another thing to be willing if you're taking notes, I'd write again those two things down. Be ready. And the second thing is be willing. As you look at Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, you see John the Baptist. He was willing, wasn't he? We see him jumping in. It says, And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Here's this ordinary guy, isn't he? He's kind of, he's maybe a little extraordinary in some ways he's kind of different he looks different he he acts different than those around him he's not the normal preacher that everybody's looking to when it came to this time frame he would look definitely different here in our culture and some of you here today are thinking well you know I can't really be used by God I I don't I'm just a little bit different than the average person I think differently my mind works differently you know I, I don't always you know Act exactly like everybody else does. Well, guess what? Neither did John the Baptist. And God used him in a mighty way. And I want us to realize that we need to get over ourselves. It's not about us, but it's about the message that we have to share. Amen? It's about the message. It's about the good news of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with who we are, but it has to do with the message that we have to To share. And John boldly proclaimed that message that needed to be proclaimed in order that people's lives would be changed and turned around. And and I'm sure a lot of people responded the way that we think that they would respond to us if we shared that message. Who are who are you to tell me how I should live? But guess what? John was willing to share that message anyway, because it wasn't his message, it was God's message. And the same is true for us today. It's not our message, it's God's message. And maybe you feel intimidated today and say, well, there's no way I could be a John the Baptist. Maybe in your own strength, you're right. But what about in the power of the Holy Spirit that Scripture says lives within us? as followers of Jesus if we've committed our lives if we surrendered everything over to him Romans 8:11 says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives within you for you to be bold in ministry it, it requires God not you and if you don't feel like you can do something for God on your own strength that is really good actually because when we are weak God is strong, according to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. When we're willing to humble ourselves and allow God to work mightily through us, that's when awesome things happen. If you're someone who is concerned that if you share God's truth and love with someone that they're going to argue and disagree with you, I just want you to think about that. Again, they're not arguing and disagreeing with you, but with God. And if you can go to God's word and share truth from it, then it's not your message that you're sharing, but it's God's message. And so I wonder this morning, how many of us are sharing that message? I'd say there's probably 150 people or so, 120-some people in this room. How many of you are sharing the message? How often are we proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around us? See, John was preaching A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, confessing their sins, it says, repenting and being baptized. And so the people prepared for Jesus through these three things, repentance, confession and baptism and we've discussed repentance before we've discussed it on on many different occasions But I just want a quick refresher that repentance is this idea that you're heading down the path that leads to destruction which scripture says many are on that path and you say I don't want to continue down that path I'm going to do a u-turn I'm going to I'm going to change the direction I'm heading in God I need to go in the direction you want me to go in and so you start heading down the narrow path the one that leads to eternal life. It's a U-turn. You're you're changing your mind and surrendering over to God and saying, God, live through me. I don't want it to be about me, but I want it to be about what you want for my life. And some of you this morning, you need to repent. And I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that through his word. John is preaching that message. To stop trying to live the way you want to live and start living the way God wants you to live. And some of you need to confess this morning as well. Confessing of our sins is realizing that I don't have it all together. Jesus, I I need forgiveness. Lord, I need help in your grace and your mercy because I don't have it all together. Can I just tell you that in our American mindset, that is so opposite of what we think at times. We think that we have to have it all together before we come to Jesus you know, I need to work on a few things before I surrender my life over to Jesus. No, that's that's not what Scripture says. We, we don't want people to know that we make mistakes, that we mess up, that we aren't perfect. And instead, we want everyone to think that we have it all together. And the truth is, is that we don't. None of us do. I don't, you know. <laughs> my wife keeps me in check like 24-7, you know. It's like... I get after my kids in in a way that she's like, no, that's not, you know, yes, they, they need instruction, but maybe that's not the way to go about communicating that instruction. And so we all make mistakes. We all fall short of God's glory. None of us have it all put together. We need our sins forgiven. And as John baptized the crowds into the Jordan River, it says that they were being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And now there's more to to the baptism that we preach today as we spend time in God's Word and as Jesus came and as He died and He rose again and He rose to the Father. And and this baptism that we preach today, John alludes to here in verse 8 even, this idea of I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the fact that baptism is essential for the forgiveness of sins is all throughout Scripture. If you need to be forgiven of your sins today, you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, you are repentant, and you need to give your life over to Jesus, then you also need to be baptized as well according to what scripture teaches. It all works together. You don't just get to pick and choose which parts you like and which parts you don't, and which parts you're going to take, which parts you're going to leave out. It all works together. And so we have to be willing to be used by God If we're to be true followers of Jesus, willing to share the truth, the whole truth. And thirdly, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write down, when it comes to making room for Jesus this morning, we need to be humble. We need to be humble. In verse 7 it says, and this was his message. After me, this is John, will come, John is speaking, he's saying, after me will come one more powerful than I the the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie I baptize you with water but what but he will baptize you with the holy spirit and I just love the character of John the Baptist portrayed here in this verse 7 where he says hey, I'm not even will, worthy to to reach down and untie his sandals I just think about what kind of man John the Baptist is reading these verses. And here's a guy who when he preaches, multitudes of people are coming to listen to him. And she would be like, that's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I got something to say. And so, yeah, keep coming. There, and people are coming. And you think, well, he would have this mentality that, you know, wow, I'm pretty hot stuff. Yeah, what I have to say the way I'm saying it, things are going really well for me. I am awesome. I might be even be able to, you know, go out and get some new clothes that don't include camel's hair cuz that's kind of itchy, you know? I, I want some new new duds and and so he could be thinking that all these different prideful thoughts and yet he's not at all. He says, "Hey, th- there's there's so much so much better than me coming that I I'm not even worthy to reach down And untie his sandals. In fact, in John chapter 3, verse 30, John says what? He says this He says, Jesus, he must become greater, and I must become less. And if you look at that John 3.30 passage in there, it's interesting because John's disciples are kind of getting worked up. They're like, you know, hey, there's a bunch of people that used to be your disciples, John, and now they're following Jesus. They're becoming Jesus' disciples. What are you going to do about that? What's, hey, what's going on? And John's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do about it? I'm going to celebrate. That's what I'm going to do because that's what. I've been teaching this whole time. That's what I've been preaching this whole time. It's not about me. My role has nothing to do with being the Messiah. My role is to prepare the way for the Messiah. He says in this chapter, John 3, he's basically saying, hey, I'm the best man at the wedding, and do you think the best man, his job is to get in between the, the groom and the bride? No, of course not. The best man's job is to prepare the way and then get out of the way. Why? So that the groom can then finally come and get his bride. And that's what John the Baptist's role was. He was humble. And it wasn't about building John's kingdom. It was all about building the kingdom of God. And so I want us to think about that this morning. I want us to never get so caught up focusing on your own kingdom that you neglect to prioritize God's kingdom. Never get so caught up focusing on your own kingdom that you neglect to prioritize God's kingdom. And that could mean so many different things in so many different people's lives. Me personally, do I love seeing all you here? Yeah. Do I need to make sure that it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God? For sure, yeah. Because God's word is what changes your lives. It has nothing to do with Charles Gwynne. I can't hardly change my own life. In fact, I can't. It's the Holy Spirit working in me. And so even in Christian circles at times, churches in general at times, or pastors or writers or singers at times are more concerned with building their kingdom than they are God's kingdom. And all of us in this room will be known for what kind of kingdom we build for the rest of our lives and for eternity. And John wanted to build God's kingdom. And so his life was all about pointing people to Jesus. His life was all about pointing people to Jesus. Again, verse 7, and this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And can you imagine the people that are listening, all these people that have come out of the woodwork, I don't know if you've ever gone to a fair. You didn't even know all the people that go to a fair actually live in our area. But all of a sudden, all these people are coming out of the woodwork at a fair. And it's kind of the same thing John is preaching. And all these people that you didn't even know were in Judea and Jerusalem are coming out. And they're listening. And they're thinking, what do you mean? There's someone greater than you, John? I can't, I can't even believe that. And John's response is like, Phew. Yeah, I can't even reach down and untie this guy's sandals. That's how much better than me he is. And this was John the Baptist, one of the, the most holy, most righteous guys that, at the time. And he can't even untie Jesus' sandals. And John understood how much greater Jesus is. And a clear view of Jesus in your life, It will never allow you to be prideful. If you always keep a clear view of who Jesus is in your life, you'll never be prideful. Now, I don't want you to be leaving, going home, thinking, oh, man, I'm the worst person in the world. I'm terrible. I I have no value. But I also don't want you going home thinking more highly than yourself. Then you ought to, because at times we say, oh, my worst condition is that I just don't have enough self-confidence. In the culture that we live in, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think a lot of people are living with too much self-confidence. They oftentimes think too highly of themselves and not highly enough of Jesus. And John sees Jesus for who he really is, and he's humbled. And humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And in verse 8, it says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's kind of a a cool picture how God sent John to clear the path for Jesus. And as we see in verse 8, Jesus is essentially going to clear the path for the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me that at the height of Jesus' ministry, his disciples... He tells his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 7. says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, Jesus, again, in all of his humility, said, I got to go in order so that the Holy Spirit can come. And if Jesus was still here, a lot of times we think, well, it would be so much better, right? You know, if Jesus was here physically, right here in the pews with us, it would be so much better because some of you would be paying attention better because Jesus was sitting right next to you, right? And, and some of you wouldn't get so frustrated at the restaurant when, when the service is bad and slow because Jesus would be physically right there with you, right? And and some of you would be a better parent to your children at home because Jesus is hanging out in your living room at the same time. We think a lot of times, well, if Jesus was physically here, it would be so much better. And we, we say, well... Th- Right, the disciples, they were so much better. They they got it figured out when Jesus was right there. Wrong. Peter got it right. No, you know. Jesus was around his disciples all the time and in Mark 9, Jesus is telling them that he's all, he's about to die on the cross for their sins and they're all like, "Okay, yeah, well, that's great, Jesus, but um can we talk about who the greatest among the ki- us is? Can we figure out who's going to be, you know, second in command type of thing?" You see, a lot of times they were around Jesus physically and they still didn't get it. And, and Jesus, He He knows. He says, Man, I gotta go away so that then the Holy Spirit can come. It was essential for Jesus to leave in order for the counselor to come. And once again, if you have humbled yourself and, and made Jesus the Lord of your life by being baptized into Christ, then, then you're promised, it says in Scripture, the forgiveness of your sins. And the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you have something so great that even Jesus said he needed to go so that you might have that spirit living inside of you. Directing your path. Bringing you comfort. Teaching you. Changing you. Equipping you. Empowering you. And so many other things. And so as the praise team comes this morning. If you're someone that has never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit then I would ask, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because you need to make room for Jesus this morning. You need to be ready, removing those distractions. You need to be willing to be used by God, to humble yourself before him and say, hey, it's not about me and what my life is going to be about, but it's going to be about what Jesus wants through my life. Because it's when we are willing to humble ourselves before God that Jesus can do amazing things in and through us. And so if you need to be baptized in Christ for the very first time in your life, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you'd come as we sing, will you stand with us this morning?